Journey Through the Deathcast, where I'm your editor, Sybil, and this week, with everyone taking a quick summer break, we're going to talk about something that was spurred on by the recent anniversary Sentai series, Kikai Sentai Zen Kiger, and how it, um, well, it's an anniversary series, and like every Sentai anniversary series, they do a lot of Nods to previous series, returning actors, etc. This time, they've gone quite comedic with it. And the one that tipped me over into investigating this was referencing the rather infamous end of the series Jetman, wherein the final episode skips ahead in time, they've all saved the day, everyone is happy, two of the team members are getting married, and another of them, who was kind of the raucous bad boy of the group, has settled down a little, and he goes to get some flowers and go to the wedding, but he gets involved in a robbery and stops the whole thing at the cost of taking a fatal knife wound. But he saved the person, and rather than go to the hospital, he's not going to ruin his friend's special day, so he decides to go to the wedding where he arrives late, and he wishes them well, and you know he's constantly down, and he's hiding his wounds, and he just expires quietly on a bench. So I don't know why he made that decision rather than go to a hospital and really, really ruin their special day. But Zenkiger decided, as part of its use of Jetman powers by the heroes, to reenact this entire sequence but with the Monster of the Week in the place of, I believe it was Jetman Black. And he is stabbed by one of the heroes, who runs off, and he's like, oh no! And he, the creature proceeds to go to an all-monster wedding, and uh, just die quietly in the background. And so we're going to talk about, black or otherwise, comedy in tokusatsu. Probably the biggest example of this would be Astro Fighter Sunred, which was an anime and manga series wherein uh, Sunred, or Red San, depending on who was speaking to him, was the hero, but also just, like, a real dick. Whereas all of the villains were very polite, even if they were trying to end the world, kind of loved in the community, and a lot of it just revels in the absurdity thereof of this concept. Because since it was a cartoon, it could play around with a lot of things. Uh, one gag I enjoyed was Sunred just somehow smoking through the helmet regularly. I don't know how that happened, but, you know, you're not supposed to think about it. It's a joke. This one I haven't seen in years. Sorry, I can't say that I can recall it, but... It's all floating around out there if you want to see it. 
The other one that more people are going to be familiar with is Hikonen Sentai Akiba Ranger, which you might, if you have some familiarity with otaku slang, you may have realized that Akiba would be, that's right, short for Akihabara, or Electric Town, or the place where all of the nerd and electronic types go for toys. See, the plot of Akiba Ranger is that three idiots are convinced that, what was the phrasing, pain is power, and so they thrive on the mockery they get and become the unofficial Sentai Akiba Rangers. The whole series was a parody that was playing off of the fact that it was a bunch of shut-ins who were doing this, and that the organization was nothing but... Uh, I want to say they were sort of similar to the Sailor V stories in the Sailor Moon manga. They were just a talent agency, but a blatantly evil one. And the whole thing plays around with a lot of concepts, and gets to borrow more than a few of the suits from various things. So all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's really good cosplay. Thanks, this totally didn't come out of the actual backlot. It's pretty fun. It ran for two seasons. A little more risque than anything else we're going to talk about here, because it was aimed at otaku specifically, not young children. However, do highly recommend it if you like a little bit of body humor. Now, other than this, we also have to talk about the fact that something I came across when I was looking into this, a lot of people pointed out that for multiple years, especially in the 90s, dubs would happen of these shows because you couldn't air anything subtitled in the West, especially not for children. So, various studios took cracks at different tokusatsu properties. The most infamous of these was probably Saban's Masked Rider, which was an adaptation in the mid-90s after, you know, we made Power Rangers do a thing, why don't we try it with Kamen Rider, uh, of adapting Black RX, which was not the most child-friendly Common uh, Rider series. I will say little about this because it might come up on the mainline podcast. And so they decided that the whole thing needed to be done in a very goofy, goofy is the best word I can think of, tone, where they gave it, you know, American actors doing things in the regular setup, sort of like Power Rangers. You had a bunch of white kids and a couple of non-white kids for diversity wandering around as the out-of-costume actors, and then we just reuse all the footage. But the show decided that it was going to, rather than pick up where Black RX did as a sequel series to Kamen Rider Black, it would instead just go, hey, this one guy came from space, and he's the Prince of Space, and also he's running from the Plague Patrol, and we have to keep 
they basically gave it the plot, I just realized, looking over this, of a series of unfortunate events with an evil count, disguises, trying to steal a birthright. And the constant gag was that Dex, who was the Prince of Space slash writer, uh, was just not aware of how humans worked at all because he came from a world where the humanoids were based on insects, which is why he had a beetle costume. So finding out that they were all evolved from apes was all kinds of wacky. Do you do you want Seinfeldian jokes in uh, a kid show that's a common writer show? No, you don't. This was, I think, the only time Saban got involved in these, but it was not the only time that Fox was going to air an incredibly embarrassing version of a classic tokusatsu series, because later, I guess it was the next decade, the next decade, we got... been enlisted into a top-secret agency called Guts. You have access to the world's most advanced weapons and technology. Ultraman Tiga can't do it alone. He needs your help. He's the one Prince to retire. Save the world! Ultraman! He's the hope for all mankind! Save the world! Ultraman! That's right. Ultraman Tiga got a U.S. dub by 4Kids Entertainment in the 2000s. Only 23 episodes aired. I don't know if more were created. That's all we can confirm existed. And it's very wild because uh, a few of the voice actors spoke about this. They didn't know whether they wanted to keep the somewhat serious tone of the original series or just turn it into a farce. So characters changed genders, or suddenly became bubbly airheads, or... It's weird. There's only a few episodes of this preserved online. I watched one and compared it to the Blu-rays that I bought earlier this year. It's... It's not the worst thing four kids did, but it's also not particularly amazing. It's it's out there. I may link a playlist of this that I was poking at in the show notes and let you take a look at it because it's real weird. This does, however, beat out the last one and the most infamous, well, not infamous, the most far-reaching series of any of these there was a Canadian dub of Ultra 7. And for those of you who don't know, this is one of the major Ultraman series. It actually got two dubs, one of which we only have limited clips of, although there's some talk that Subaraya might actually have all of it. 
because it came out in the 70s on Hawaiian television, like quite a lot of things did at the time. If a certain local network wanted to put in the work on it. And clips of it are on the Ultra 7 Blu-rays that are currently out from Mill Creek. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the time that Ted Turner decided that they were going to license this and give it to Canadian children's programming house Cenar, who you might know from a lot of children's programming that aired on early Nickelodeon. Uh, they did English dubs of a lot of things like Ronin Warriors, The World of David the Gnome. They were involved in the production of shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark or The Busy World of Richard Scary, Space Cases, and they were involved to some degree in a few shows that went on longer. Uh, can't say that uh, Arthur isn't known. However, you might also know them because they imploded in a massive series of lawsuits about financial mismanagement, uh, possibly being less Canadian than they like to claim for legal reasons. It's a whole thing, and that's not what we're here for because it's not comedy. But they did, uh, allegedly, a full dub of Ultra 7, which aired on Turner Broadcasting Company. But not entirely, because apparently, according to the story, they didn't like the dub, so they threw it all in a vault. But then someone went, you know, we've got this whole show here that just wasn't broadcast. So... They hacked them down even further from the original run because they had to add in commercial breaks that were longer for the U.S. slots. And then they had to censor a lot of things to put them on in the Tunes Till Noon broadcast. Some of them may have simply been lost because we never saw footage or evidence that they existed. They would show up as just random clips in other Turner Broadcasting Syndicate. Uh, programs. Cartoon Planet on Cartoon Network was one of them. And the whole thing is now considered lost to time because they returned all of the masters to Subaraya after their contract ended. So, bouncing off of Ultra 7, there is one other manga that I found which was an overt tokusatsu comedy and an intended one, which was the series Prefectural Earth Defense Force. This briefly had a U.S. release uh, through ADV Films, which, if you know anything about ADV Films, you will know why it no longer has a U.S. release, because they went under in a similar storm of lawsuits and bankruptcy and a lot of bullshit. But the whole thing was designed to have, you know, it's Ultra 7, it's defending the world from universal threats with the science patrol, but Instead, it's a very low scale in the way that a lot of different parody things are. Well, let's do all the stakes, but it's only a three rock. It's only a three block radius of, I don't know, uh, Kyushu. So instead, they are all just set up, and there was one bit where it's like, yeah, we're all composed of different members of this school and a cyborg who transferred over from India. Because why not? It's alright. 
I I hate to say that uh, this was not one that clicked with me when I was younger, and it was in print because I didn't know it was a parody, because I was bad at Ultraman. So that said, maybe this will be a later special, because this is the kind of thing that I can quickly talk Garrett, Chris, or Evan into watching with me, and then recording on for a brief show. It was only an OVA. With that, I think we've covered everything. Tell us if there's anything more that you would like to talk about, or know of, because it turns out this is really hard to research in English, actually. Uh, I had to source around, and as you might have noticed, I mostly just got bad dubs out of the majority of this. So, love to hear from you. Hit us up on social media, at riceball underscore fm. And we'll see you next time, where our hosts will return and actually talk about some tokusatsu you might want to watch. Goodbye!